Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Liberty and the Law, the podcast series that examines the critical elements of a strong legal defense in criminal cases. Join respected attorney James Dore for this lively discussion on the rights of criminal defendants and the important role defense attorneys play in our legal system. During past conversations uh, here on the Liberty and the Law podcast, uh, we've discussed defendants' rights uh, and frequently have looked at cases involving DUIs and other uh, areas such as red light uh, traffic cameras we talked about recently. And in the process, uh, we usually learn a bit about the gathering and handling of evidence in those cases. Uh, Today we're going to go, I would definitely say, deeper into some DUI scenarios and discuss what uh, amount to some Fourth Amendment ramifications in several recent Illinois cases. Hi, everybody. This is Jim Mitchell, um, and and great to be starting another year of discussions on our podcast series. Joining me, as always, is Lavelle Law Criminal Defense Attorney James Dore. James will share his insights on on a couple of recent court cases uh, that we want to talk about and help us get a better understanding of the process that uh, that occurs when law enforcement officials um, maybe go a little further than prescribed in, in getting uh, evidence in, in terms of blood or other samples from DUI violators. So long introduction. Uh, Jim, we got a lot to talk about, so thank you for being here today. Welcome aboard. Hey, thank you, Jim. Uh, happy to be back on. Uh, I think uh, this is today's topic should be uh, pretty interesting and uh, some good news on the case law. So uh, pretty happy we're going to talk about this one today. Yeah, and there's a lot of details. So before we dig into that, um, let's let's backtrack a little bit and kind of refresh everybody on some of the basics of the law. Um, and if stopped for a traffic offense or some sort uh, of violation, the police may request you take a breathalyzer test or other field sobriety test. Now, we've talked about it in the past. You don't have to do that, and in, in your opinion, it's generally better to decline that opportunity. Right. I would, I would, my advice is to refuse not only the breath test at the station, where you've already been placed under arrest, um, but also uh, on the street. There's a, a portable breath test that can be given uh, once an officer finds probable cause for an arrest, um, and that would be based on uh, observations of field sobriety tests. So my advice is to refuse uh, any and all testing, decline politely, um, mm-hmm. and uh, that way it limits the amount of evidence that the state has uh, to prove guilt in the criminal case. Yeah, because that's, that's really what they're doing. They're just gathering evidence against you, and, and you can decline, but as you say, you know, do so politely. But once you do that, then there are additional consequences that, that come with that, correct? Right, right. I think once an officer smells the odor of alcohol and starts that investigation of, is this a DUI, and starts a DUI investigation, you know, they may say, hey, we want to get you out of the car, run a couple tests, just to make sure you're okay to drive. Yeah, it sounds reasonable. Mm-hmm. But in their mindset is not putting this person back in the car. The mindset at that point is collecting evidence to be used in prosecution. That's how the DUI training works. Um, we've talked about this before, that once they've made the decision to ask you to step out of the car, you know, they've already begun the DUI investigation. And they're proceeding to the next step of it. You know, they've already decided mm-hmm. to stop your vehicle. Now they're asking you to step out and do tests because they, you know, think there's a reason for it. So they're, they're looking for probable cause to place you under arrest. Now, we talk about the breathalyzer and field sobriety test, but explain to me what circumstances might cause them to request or even take a a blood or urine sample in these cases. Right. Um, During normal DUI tests, uh, uh, an officer can request a a breath test or they can request uh, blood or urine draws at the hospital. 
um, you can consent to that. So my advice on that was, was withdraw consent or withhold consent for anything mm-hmm. at the hospital, okay, same as you would refuse a breath test. But there are other circumstances where somebody could be taken to the hospital um, because they're injured or you know, even against their will for forced blood draws. And that's where the, the two cases that we discussed, uh, I think, uh, uh, center around admissibility of evidence in uh, different uh, hospital scenarios. Okay. Um, yeah, so let's look at those because um, a couple of cases in which blood samples or urine samples were forcibly taken for purposes of gathering evidence. Um, now, in the first case, um, there was a Mr. Ralph Eubanks, and he had a ruling against him initially that was overturned on appeal uh, based on a number of findings, one of which was that the forcible drawing of blood, uh, according to the appellate court, constituted a warrantless search, a search without without a warrant, therefore is a violation of the Fourth Amendment. Walk us through that case a little bit if you can. Sure. Well, um, the Fourth Amendment guarantees that uh, the people can be uh, secure in their, their persons, their houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures, and that's the key, the unreasonable portion. Um, you're not you're not protected from all searches and all seizures. It's just unreasonable ones. Mm-hmm. So they're looking to centered around uh, abuse of government power um, in in, in uh, cases like this. Now, the Supreme Court's ruled that warrantless searches, right, searches without a warrant, are per se unreasonable. So there's a certain, uh, I guess you'd call it a warrant requirement, um, unless there's there's other um, factors present. So you can consent your way around a, a warrant. We know that. Um, you can be searched if you're arrested. They can search your uh, your your body. They can search your 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 uh, the things around your control for weapons and mm-hmm. drugs and whatnot. So we know about that. And there's also in, in this case um, where there's exigent circumstances. So um, cases involving DUIs where they're looking at blood draws, the uh, evidence you know that they're seeking will dissipate over time with the natural the body's natural metabolization uh, metabolization of the alcohol or drugs or whatever's in the system. So um, the, state's, uh, the state would argue that they're trying to beat the clock, that they've got to get this evidence now, otherwise it'll dissipate, it'll be gone. So exigent circumstances. Um, and the statute in Illinois allowed this. When uh, uh, a law enforcement officer had probable cause for an arrest and a person's at the hospital, um, they basically ruled, or the, the statute was saying that ex- exigent circumstances exist in all those DUI arrests, so you can you can go ahead and, without consent, take this bodily fluid and test it. Okay, um, and that statute, that particular statute, that 501.2C2, was uh, overturned or ruled unconstitutional by the court in this case because of that it was overbroad. All right, there was uh, mm-hmm. an overgeneralization of um, of circumstances, it provided, uh, again, a, a, a too much um, in terms of uh, uh, seizing of evidence without any review by the court. So there's no, there's no warrant. In a case like this, mm-hmm. there's no, um, you know, they're using the exigent circumstances to get around a, a warrant requirement, and the, state, and the court in this case ruled, no, that the statute's overbroad in that case. And it's interesting because when we think about the the police or other officials searching someone's home or their office, we hear of them going to the court to get a search warrant to go into that property. But what you're saying is that uh, drawing blood or other bodily fluids is considered a search, and in, in fact, if done properly, the, the officers would have to have a search warrant to to execute that that uh, that activity. 
Right, and, and now, we've talked about some other Supreme Court cases in the past, and um, mm-hmm. where the the, the warrant, um, you know, it's not hard to get in these days. You know, there's electronic means. Um, you'd be very quick to get a, a warrant. So the exigent circumstances, um, it, it's really the, the the courts having trouble with some of that language, because they they know that to, to, with technology and access to, to judges, it's not that hard, not that difficult for an officer to get a warrant. You know, the, the officer's already saying they have probable cause. You're just, you're just doing a brief review by a, a neutral magistrate in order to determine if a warrant should be issued for that evidence. I think it's completely reasonable to do that. Uh, as always, my guest on Liberty and the Law today is Defense Attorney James Dore of Lavelle Law. Um, James, as you may know, has several decades of experience in, in representing clients and Always, always been a staunch defender of criminal rights um, uh, protected by the Constitution. You can find out more about him, read his profile, get some of his past videos, podcasts, and articles on a wide range of defense topics, all at LavelleLaw.com. And we're covering a very uh, detailed uh, topic today. We talked about the case of Mr. Eubanks. Now, in Illinois here, there's a second case recently um, which was somewhat similar. This involved uh, Ladina Sykes in her case. Uh, it appears that evidence gathered was allowed to be used against her. Now, what, what was the court finding that allowed them to uphold that original uh, uh, treatment on that? Right. In, in that case, it involved a, a different DUI statute. Um, there was no death involved or personal injury. So the um, Eubanks case involved not only a first-degree murder um, charge, but the DUI charge and the, you know, leaving the scene of an accident. So it was all kind of wrapped up in one investigation um, in that case, but in the in the Sykes case, that was more of a, a I wouldn't want to say your standard issue DUI, but one, mm-hmm. one we're more familiar with using the the more common DUI statute. There's no death or injury involved, um, but uh, well, actually, there was no death involved, but the the, the uh, defendant herself was, I guess, taken to the hospital, but mm-hmm. she had no complaints and no obvious injuries. But that was one of the things taken to the hospital, um, and, and it, as a it, in part of the DUI arrest, so um, that's how she and, got. And in there. these cases, and in these cases, though, before it just, I guess I should have clarified sooner. When we're talking about, you know, drawing blood with, without the consent, you know, in these cases, is, is it accurate then that um, medical or police officials are actually, lack of a better term, holding these people down and, and sort of binding them so that the the evidence can be drawn in, in terms of blood or urine draw? Exactly. I think in the Eubanks case, he was held down by police for the blood draw, and then under the, the threat, once he was presented with the uh, catheterization process, um, then he voluntarily provided a, a urine sample, but it was only under that duress and threat of um, that process. So mm-hmm. voluntary? I don't think so. Um, the, the Sykes case, she, although she uh, didn't complain of any injuries, they deemed in that case that she was unable to withdraw consent. Now, here's the key on this one. When you, when you're, you have your wits about you and you can say, no, I refuse that, okay? In the, in the circumstances, you, you don't have that capacity, okay? But the statute in Illinois, when you get, by statute, once you get that driver's license, you're consenting in that process to testing in these cases. So when you're refusing or declining testing, you're actually withdrawing consent, all right? So mm-hmm. uh, under the law, you've deemed to already consented to these tests. So when somebody's in the hospital, um, they said that basically in, in uh, Ladina's case that she was not able to withdraw consent because of her mental state. They found that she was in um, a heightened uh, mental 
uh, alerted mental state, I believe they said, even though she was stable and had no complaints, right? And mm-hmm. she knew where she was. She knew who she was. She just didn't know the exact time of day or the date. And based on that, they determined that a blood draw um, was necessary under medical circumstances. So in, that, in, in the Sykes case, that was a medical draw where the police assisted in holding her down. Um, mm-hmm. And the, the, the court even ruled in that one. I believe we both had a kind of a chuckle at this one. that It may not have been the best method, <laughs> but they, they viewed that it was not, not only constitutional or per se unreasonable. Um, but they said that, that you know, basically, try to avoid this anyway. But... Uh, yeah, so she was she was held down by police, but it was in the course of a medical uh, procedure uh, that they claimed, the, and it's one of the ways to get evidence in in a DUI case. And and would you know if we go back to the Eubanks case, and and uh, maybe um, this is not something you would know offhand, but so originally, you know, that evidence that was gathered through the blood draw was was used in the in the initial case. He was found guilty. Um, in appeal, um, he had that overturned because of, among other things, that the way that blood draw was done. So if they choose to prosecute again um, to pursue him on other charges, can that blood draw still be used? Or once the, the appellate court has said it was not done properly, that all of that is, is, is thrown out going forward? In that case, I think in order to get Mr. Eubanks' blood in as evidence, um, it, it turns on the constitutionality of the statute. So they, mm-hmm. that's going to have to be reviewed by a higher court because the statute under which that blood was drawn is found to be unconstitutional, so that blood evidence is not coming in by court order. So we're going to need a higher court to address that to determine if the statute is, in fact, unconstitutional. So it'll go to a higher court to determine that. And then if it's found to be unconstitutional, the blood stays out. If it's found to be constitutional, then that blood is probably coming in, but we'll see. They're still entitled to some evidentiary hearings on that, too. But um really comes down to the constitutionality of that statute. Well, um, certainly a very detailed and uh, interesting discussion today with Attorney James Dore and uh, a couple of cases here we may want to follow as we go forward with our uh, continued conversations on liberty and law. I want to thank James for being with us today. Certainly always appreciate his insight and assistance as we uh, take a good look at uh, cases like this throughout the state of Illinois. Let me again point you over to LavelleLaw.com. You can find James' profile and plenty of information there on uh, situations like this. Now, if you've got questions uh, and you'd like to talk to him directly, um, you can always reach out to James Dore at 847-705-7555, and I know he'll get uh, right back to you. Uh, Plenty of information, plenty to talk about. We thank you for being here and look forward to having you with us for future episodes.